2: Good morning. good No, good afternoon. Sorry, uh, listeners. Let me turn that music off. I'm sure it's playing low in the background. How are you today? This is Jim the Keys bartender coming to you from uh, a beautiful Key Largo, Florida Keys. It's uh, mid-70s and sunny outside. I just came in from a Short nap I took after working out. I teach my spin class at the gym. I, I go and well, I get up. My routine today is I drove my daughter to school, went to the bank, go into the gym, do some lifting for about an hour, an hour and 10 minutes, and then go and teach my spin class. And then come home, cook myself some lunch. And uh, there's nothing better. Uh, well, lunch. Uh, I guess that was a, a late breakfast, early lunch. And uh, prior to doing that, I had was, I was pulling in a recycle uh, bin alongside my house. And this, uh, this was surprising. I guess surprising to me. I've lived here eight years in this home. And there's this beautiful bush alongside the house. And I thought it was nice before. I really did. I loved the leaves. I I knew it blossomed every so often, but I don't think I've ever really appreciated what it looked like. Uh, I put the cover photo. The cover photo for the episode is of the Starburst bush, and I'll tie it in with everything. It's not just about, I'm not talking about a beautiful bush. Not that some guys haven't, I mean, depending on what you consider bush nowadays, because there's not a lot of bush left out there when you're talking about uh, certain type the bush has disappeared but for people's lawns there's tons of bush right and and it's for the, for the time I've lived here I've never really appreciated what it looked like when it was in bloom right at the height and that's what it looks like the picture that I put on the episode and I guess it's I guess the word would be ephemeral, meaning it doesn't last long. It doesn't happen frequently. The blossoming of the bush, same thing as the geraniums and things like that. They don't always, they always have the nice green to it, but not always blossom. And it made me think, I said, boy, I really don't pay attention to the things around me. I really don't. So I better just kind of slow down. And start paying attention to things. Especially since I live in this subtropical paradise. And so after I cooked myself something to eat and things like that. I said, well, what? how can I slow down today? So Because I was going to go right into podcasting. My mind racing and all that stuff. And I thought, you know what? I did really good the other day with taking a nap in the middle of the day. I just stopped. Started meditating and then fell asleep. Which is perfectly fine when it comes to things like that. But I have a hammock out front. And it's a relatively quiet street I live on. So I just laid in the sun for almost an hour. And it I hate to say it. I hate to say it because it makes me seem old. It was glorious. And after I do that, I'm kind of a little... You know, groggy, I got to sit up and do all sorts of stuff, like wait for me to get acclimated and then come here and think about what I'm going to talk about when we're on the show. But I knew I was going to be talking about uh, perception and color and things like that today. When, And it does, it does help when you're at a job... And you find it mundane or routine. Just think about it. I I guess if you were on an assembly line. And every day was the same thing going by. If you're doing some one particular thing. And it really doesn't change. For me. uh, Where I work. We have tourists. uh, We have regulars that come in. People you don't get the chance to talk to. People you don't really appreciate. But coming across that. Starburst push made me think, wow, you know, I can really think about that. Uh, Think about the things I really don't pay attention to when they come up, like where people are from, how they're enjoying their stay here, what they're doing. Like, there was a nice uh, young couple came in and they were getting, uh, the young lady was getting her dive certification. I didn't know if it was her boyfriend or husband, but they were sitting at the bar and they were very pleasant they were they came in the night before and they were uh meeting a large group of people i guess from the same dive boat they had come in and uh, they decided to come in the second night to have a couple of drinks and some appetizers and they came in they were very nice very pleasant and they were from my neck of the woods they're from new jersey the medford area So I thought that was really nice to come in. But I never really get the chance to see that. And I see these other people that come in. And I'll talk about some of the things they did share with me the other day. I had my friends Ace, Martha, Dan. They were in. I had a couple that own a bar near Mount Rushmore in South Dakota. I thought that was interesting because Ace had spent some time near the park uh, one of our friends uh, that come into the the bar there, Ace, he uh, had spent a, a significant amount of time at a friend's ranch near Mount Rushmore, and I had he he described it to me, he made me feel more connected to it. But I always thought, you know, man, I got to feel connected to the place I am sometimes, and the people I'm around. And I, a lot of times I get into work and I'm just tired, and I just don't, you know, when you're tired, you just don't have time or effort or the ability to see things you don't see all the time when someone comes in. There's a a lovely couple, Dee and Jim, that come in, and and Jim's a couple years older than me, and he is, I never really spoke to him that often, and it turned out he's very funny and a nice, a nice soft voice spoken guy and he's he's not one of those guys that are funny inadvertently he's ad- advertently funny meaning he's on purpose and, and D is just pleasant and lovely woman and I just appreciate I appreciate people more often when when I take just take my time and just don't say oh, the same people all over again it's the same thing every day it's not the same thing every day if you have a varied life if you It could be the same thing every day if you lived in a prison, in a closed environment. I mean, that's always like the nightmare thing. You're just sitting in a white room with a white table, white chair, white clothes, and you just get the same food, the same interactions with people and things like that. That's that's a nightmare to me. But when you think about how big the world is and how incredibly diverse everything is around you... It's just around us, there's a, there's worlds of things going on. I, I don't know if I mentioned in uh, the episode yesterday, but you may, I think I did, about the Bofu toad. Uh, the Bofu toad's invasive toad that was put in the cane field to control the insects, uh, and it turned out that it was the wrong toad they put in. They did put the Bofu toad in. They were trying to put another toad in from Central America. And this one was poisonous. And Abby, my wife, was driving to work. And she's driving down past the neighbor's house. And she thought someone's throwing tennis balls at her. And turns out it was toads. These toads that were warm, staying warm under the hood of her car during the night when it got cool here. Because they're from Central America. They're not used to getting into lower 60s. So they were getting someplace cold. And they hopped out. Uh, you you don't really get the chance to see them all the time. And even though they're invasive, just like the iguana, you may see an iguana run by. Yesterday I saw an iguana run by, about two and a half foot long iguana. And I guess you just see one run by nowadays. If you're not used to that, you could be shocked when you see something that's a large reptile in front of you, like a foot in front of you. But nowadays, I guess here, uh, it's mundane. It's a normal occurrence. Or you see something, uh, a pretty color blue on a a flower. Just you don't stop. It's like stopping. They say, yes, you got to take time to stop and smell the roses and, and appreciate the things that are going on around you. And that's what Taking that 45 minutes to an hour just relaxing in the hammock and enjoying the sun on my face did for for me today. It's kind of a reset, and I appreciate that. To address something else, Ace uh, mentioned to me, even though I do live shows, I was saying something that he wanted to respond to. And I don't know what that was. I'm sure I said something he, he may have wanted to comment on. I don't know if he disagreed on it or, or, or that. It doesn't really matter. What I mean is it doesn't matter. I didn't have the phone lines open. I have this chat section if you have uh, let me invite friends on. If you uh, Ace, if you have Facebook, I'll put the invitation. We are live now. I'm going to put we are live and if you want we are live now. And if you do have any comments I the the thing about taking phone calls, it's it's not a difficult task for me to do it, but it's it's much simpler for me to do the podcast live without setting up my microphones and setting up Skype and setting up some of the virtual linkages I have to in order to get a phone call. And, and set up my audio so I can hear the phone call and and bring in the audio into the show. And that's one of the things I really want to do. That's why I wanted to get... I still want to get a million downloads this year. It's a slow start. We're still... It's better than the beginning of last year we're doing. We're doing much better numbers. But uh, I need to have a more, I guess, in-depth or, or have a producer or an assistant... I would call him a producer, or her, him or her, a producer, to uh help me do the technological things that need to be done when you're taking phone calls and doing doing a live show. But right now you could if you wanted to chat, I'm gonna say look, I'll say write my message. I am here. Ace. He says it's I should put it, make sure. Ace. Uh, and that's the one thing. If you can you get you gotta text. Okay. And I um, mean it's not that I wouldn't want to take your call. I'm not I'm not necessarily looking for a debate, but obviously there's things I say that some people disagree with and I my hat's off to you guys that still listen after you you take I don't say you take note. I don't want to say take offense because if you took offense, you probably wouldn't be listening anymore. Say, Jim is offensive. He is an asshole. I still may be an asshole. I still may be offensive, but I don't do that. I don't do that out of a particular, I don't take a particular glee in or satisfaction from offending anyone. Uh, so, but if you are offended by language, I am sorry to my relatives that may listen and things like that. I, I, I do appreciate. But this is just some of the, some of the words I use. I guess it balances out those, those uh, five and dime uh, words. Oh, what do they call those? Ten cent words. Word for powers. The ones you'd read on, from the Reader's Digest. And you use the word, it gets stuck in my head. I mean, that's, I've said it previously. That's the word I know to use for that particular thing I want to say. So, moving on. We got all this stuff. And I do endeavor, if we do get those listeners, I mean, if we do get the amount of listeners and get a more robust return for that, a more vigorous, large Vigorous, large. It sounds like one of those Viagra commercials. You know, a torgid, rigid. No. Uh, the larger audience you have, the more capabilities I can have. Because I, you know, I'm able to hire somebody. But I'm not going to pay someone. Uh, I, I, There's only so much money I want to lose doing this thing while I'm doing it. I'm not looking to retire on this. But if I do get to retire on that would be good too. Or maybe not good for you because you say, oh, this guy doesn't have anything new to say. Nothing's new on the sun. But I want to talk about history. Nothing in particular about history. Just the study of history. And recently, uh, here in Florida, and don't get all pissed off, guys, but people don't, I mean, I don't want you to get all pissed But there's there could be a rule past that history will should not be taught in the schools and this is the governor's maybe sponsoring a resolution that they don't want to uh, uh, retell or study or talk about history that would make students feel uncomfortable about themselves okay well that's and that's the opposite that's anti-history History is an objective. This is what happened. This is when happened. Now you can interpret the meaning behind it. That's ana- that's analysis. But things happened. You could talk about it, but it, it either happened or it didn't happen. Things, men, and a lot of history in in, in the world history, men were always the aggressor or. An, mostly the aggressor. And, uh, you know, when bad acts occurred, a lion's share of the bad acts were done by men because men had the power, men had the ability to do it, and things like that. I'm sure there were women that do of A lot of women did some bad things throughout history, but large things of note, large historical events were usually committed by males. Now, if we did not teach those events we said, well, it's going to make males feel uncomfortable. Then you'd be wiping out 90% of all history. Right? So, it, it's it's pretty interesting. I'm going, to, I'm going to focus on one particular thing. One particular thing. Native American history, the way it's depicted previously. Now, uh, when you see a Western from let's say any time up to the 1960s, up until the late 1960s, Native American interactions with uh, Western civilization were, they were depicted as hostiles, aggressors, very violent. And you had the, the hardworking a settler coming in, and then the Native Americans coming in and attacking them, or them attacking the fort and the cavalry riding to the rescue, uh, the U.S. cavalry riding to the rescue, the stagecoach, and all those things. That the depiction of the Native Americans showed them as aggressors. And rarely do they say, in some of those movies, rarely do they show that, you know, they were their lands were. Uh, taken from them, they were there first, and they could have been spread out. They could have been spread out for a while. So I guess when people arrived in the West to go and see all this land, and there's no one living there, right? But because the Native Americans of the Northern Plains, let's say, they were migratory, and didn't have large tilled fields because they're more hunter gatherers. Some of them had some of them did get involved with agriculture, but by and large, they did a lot of hunting and living off the land. So that, you wouldn't see large homesteads or cities or things like that. And their populations weren't uh, overwhelming. So it was easy for you as, let's say, an explorer to say, well, these aren't being really used. These aren't being utilized. These lanes. As the time goes on, they start traveling through. And they're saying, well, we're just coming through. We're just going through this area in order to get to the other side, to get to the West Coast, to get to the ports of San Francisco, or to get to the Gold uh, Rush in California or Yukon Territory and things like that. And then it was, oh, wow, you know. Uh, before, well, before that, it was like, we're just trapping some, getting some of these furs because these furs are highly prized in Europe. And so interactions occurred sometimes in the, uh, with the trappers and the people that were traveling through. Uh, Native Americans may see them and say, oh, well, they're, they're just going through. They're not setting up shop. They're going all the way th- across. And then there were people that started setting up shop and they go this was my favorite watering hole this could have been our winter camp where we would set up set our tents up and now there's a town there well we'll just move over to the right and then they just can see more and more and more and then eventually someone said well listen in order to get the cattle we're going to start dividing up this land and we're going to put barbed wire across and they just said what now we can't go across. We need to have proof. We're not allowed to go in. We're not allowed to go through this town, the tribe, because uh, no Indians are allowed in town. And the government is set up, uh, you know, a couple thousand miles away. They're going to set up a Bureau of Indian Affairs and do all these things and eventually say, well, these people aren't very happy with you know, and, and further announced, they said these people are not really happy with the things we're doing. We're just going to ignore what they want, and we'll set, we'll give you some land, but this will be the treaty we set up, and then they violate all these things, and that's history, that actually happened. It's not fake. The Indians, the Indians didn't necessarily come to attack Washington D.C. Maybe early on, if they felt, you know, I'm sure there were there were Native Americans that were aggressors. And I know there's some tribes that were more aggressive than other tribes. They they were competing for certain, you know, migratory herds and things like that. And they may decide that they needed to uh, prove something. But you know, it mainly was a Western expansion was uh, Western civilization pushing out Native Americans. And then in the 60s, they started saying, oh, well, you know, we did do that. And then later on, more and more, they started realizing, oh, we violated a lot of treaties and things like that. And then, you know, they see they're building a railroad and then they go and destroy all the stocks of their their migratory herds of buffalo. You know, just to, to feed the workers and then just to deny them food stocks. That's... That's history, and that sh- that makes people uncomfortable. It just happened, and it, it happened all over the world. It happened in Australia. It happened when, it, whenever an advanced civilization came across a lesser, you know, more hunter-gatherer civilization. It's not a. It's not like a more. I'd say objectively, superlative civilization unseating another. Uh, you know, they, if they called them beastly or uncivilized or whatever uh, whatever they wanted to call it didn't make it necessarily right so, but we depict that in movies now how is that different than the way we depict in our science fiction when an advanced civilization comes in contact with humans right who do we cheer for who do we cheer for when you know Predator comes from a far off planet and starts hunting humans? And then jungles of Central America and Arnold Schwarzenegger, that's a movie Predator. Or what was that other one? The one the data earth still still and things like that. Sometimes most of the movies, interesting movies, are when hostile, advanced civilizations come in contact with the with human civilization. And we almost always side with the human, saying, well, hey, we were here first. You, not, you can't land your spaceship there. You knocked over the Washington Monument. It was in one of the movies where they come in and they clip the Washington Monument. And go, oops, our bad, sorry. Knocked over the Washington Monument. Or they even worse one, Independence Day. Would he come and say, "Fuck you"? This looks like a nice place. It's like a beach. Imagine it's like a beach chair, a beautiful part of the beach. And someone says, "I don't care if you're sitting there at this beach. We're coming in, and we're setting up our tents and having a little party here. So get the fuck off the beach." Well, that's what they see. You know, it's a plan. They say, "Well, listen. We don't need you here because we're gonna we're gonna try to harvest." some resources here and because of our technological ability we're just going to steamroll you we're not even going to negotiate with you at least you know i guess one benefit from some you know the u.s government at many times attempted to negotiate with Native Americans people say, listen maybe we shouldn't take just take everything from them maybe we should talk to them about saying well you can have this and we can have that and then we say, well we want to have a little more and then they renegotiate the things they renegotiated in the first place now in the movies they don't accept what was that there was a couple movies where aliens come in and they say well listen maybe we can accommodate them if you give us this we'll give you that and then all of a sudden like in the Twilight Zone, is uh, there was a where aliens arrive and they say we're gonna we're gonna cure aging, illness, all this stuff, give you undue knowledge, invite you back to our planet. There you go. On top of, we're gonna invite you back to your planet, and they're all looking in this book, and we're here just to help you. We're here just to help you, and it, and the book, um, the title of the book they had a. Code breakers and that check out this book that the aliens had, and it said how to serve man. And you go, Oh, well, look, the cover of the book says how to help men. Well, no, it was how to serve man. It was a cookbook. And they were gathering humans up to eat them. And we made them into, we made these advanced. I'm beating the dead horse there. I'm just saying. In history, the far-fetched history, let's say that did happen and aliens landed and say, listen, there were humans here, but they were savages. They were polluting the water. They were killing the creatures. There was all these species every year, thousands upon thousands of species, uh Became extinct, not through natural geographic or uh, geological or meteorological changes, but through human uh, caused extinctions, you know, overfishing, overhunting, overharvested. They harvested these beautiful tusks off these elephants just so they can make jewelry and pianos and little figurines. They were savages, these people. So we just freed the planet of this abusive life that allowed the rest of the planet to flourish. And that would be the history. We wouldn't have any, we wouldn't have any say in that history. Right? If they won. Because we all know that the victors write the history. When all you had to say was, while well, more advanced civilization landed... And they wanted what we had on the planet, and we tried to stop them, and it didn't work. And uh, they could tell, both can tell that story that way. They wanted what we have. We didn't want to give it to them because they wanted, they kept on wanting more and more, and they did. So why, why couldn't we tell history that way? It happens in every civilization when someone has more technological savvy, tactical savvy, Knowledge, right? More brute force. So when we, when you, when someone talks of Genghis Khan, I've, I've read a little about Genghis Khan and stuff. Genghis Khan may have not have been the Mongolians, the Mongolian hordes. They could just be. Who, who knows? They they could have just been history. The way the way history was written, that civilizations around them could have been impinging on their migratory traditions. So, because they had the ability as horsemen and be able to shoot arrows from the back of horseback, they had the technological know-how to be able to expand rapidly expand rapidly because other people say what the fuck these guys ride like crazy and they can shoot they can shoot arrows from the back of a horse while they're moving and we got to stand still and they're coming coming at us and hit us with arrows and stuff like that and we can't we can't resist that so eventually the civilizations push back and they write a history and say the mongols were bloodthirsty cruel they did some horrible things and all that stuff. Yeah, the victors do write it. You could just talk about talk about that. Look, World War Two. World War Two. There was there was concentration camps. There's still remnants of those concentration camps. We still have living reminders of it. And pretty much, most serious historians, overwhelming amount of historians, realize what happened. But the victors got the right the stories. And, and when it comes to the Germans, they kind of sugarcoated some of the things, not genocide. Genocide didn't sugarcoat as much. But uh, they talked about the worst thing with the Japanese. Japanese did some pretty horrible things, but so did uh, the Allies, if you want to do with the thing. And uh, it was easier to write that history because you have aggressors that did some pretty horrible things. World War One. Isn't necessarily an easy history to write about. World War I isn't, because a lot of things happened on both sides that were similar. To, I think the Germans did do introduce mustard gas to warfare, and the you know the machine gun was widely used, and tanks and things by both sides, and bombing, aerial bombardment, which kind of first started really including civilians. And both sides are pretty pretty much intensely, uh, they did mostly bad things. Mostly bad things, both sides. World War II is your more cut and dry. But they can also say that the reason why Japanese were attacking Pearl Harbor was to deny the U.S. a base for its Navy to deny Japanese expansion where they needed for their they perceived was their natural resources they needed or they needed to get a hold of oil reserves metals and things like that and having a powerful United States presence in the Pacific was not good for them at that time and they were doing some pretty horrible things in Korea Vietnam and the Far East who's calling right now that's Abby I I'm going to sign off and call my uh, talk to my wife. I want to thank you for listening. This is, uh, I don't mean to be ham handed, but that's pretty much it, what I wanted to talk about. It, it's really pretty much, I guess I should tie it up a little better. But history is in the high eye of the beholder, and you can objectively look at it and say, this is what happened. The slave trade did happen. Yes, there were. Uh, Africans involved in the slave trade meaning they captured some enemy tribesmen maybe something like that and turned them over to the slave traders, traders on, the, on the African coast where they had to sh- set up their trading posts but once they got on the ship once s- slavery was making its way to Europe and the New World it was all Western civilization Europeans that were involved in that it was all that, and people said, "Well, you African. yeah, well, yeah, that yes, there were Africans involved in a slave trade, but the impetus for creating a market for it, there would no, there would not be, and I'm not laying necessarily blame because I believe any, almost every advanced civilization, moving through time before they were fully enlightened, had slaves: the Egyptians, the Romans, uh, they. That's just the way they ran their country. The Chinese, the Japanese—it was one of those things. Just one of those things that happened. But it doesn't make it less bad. And without having the market for slavery in the New World, there would have been no need to ship them over or to trade, do the trade over here. And there were, there were slaveholders, and some of them were brutal. And and things like that, it just happened. It just happened. It doesn't make it better. It doesn't make it worse. It actually made But the, the, you can talk about those things. And if you feel bad because you share a characteristic with one of those people, if you happen to be white, so be it. KKK was for so was KKK was powerful in southern and northern politics for the longest time. the Knights of the uh, Ku Klux Klan made up of white people trying to preserve their political uh, hegemony in the United States. They didn't want to share it. So they interfered. And there was a lot of things that went on. There were horrible violence that went on. There was lynchings and things like that. And yeah, and you can say, oh Jim, there's crime that goes on nowadays. Well, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about that. That's history. It legitimately occurred. And if you don't want to talk about it, because it makes you feel uncomfortable. That's a shame. That's a shame. It's easier to see the world and being able to appreciate the world for how far we've come. Like suppose in the United States, and I think we we don't have slavery anymore. That's a big deal. You know, we were one of the last far-flung thing, one of the largest slave-holding societies in, in world history. Someone has disagreement whether the Egyptians had a larger one or or we did, but uh, it, it was large. And it was cruel, and it was brutal. So just teach, just teach the history the way it was. The Egyptians did it. We don't say the Egyptians didn't contribute anything to society. The Greeks did it. The Greeks were the founder of people in Western civilization. They were the bedrock of Western civilization, which was Greek philosophy and teachings and sciences. Carried brought forward by also carried a little further by the Romans. Romans were more of the engineers. But they they did the same thing. So I don't think I mean I, I hear things about things of my background, my ancestry, and I don't feel bad about it. It's just history. I don't carry that kind of, what would you call that, guilt? It was like, Original sin. The original sin. Why would you want to think that something someone else did prior is is, is something that you carry with you today? But you can still recognize it. You can recognize it and you don't have to feel bad about yourself. You are who you are now and how you behave. And you shouldn't use your discomfort or your uncomfortable about hearing about this at, you know, altering history, altering the way it's taught. Uh, I'd like to thank you for listening. I'm sorry to sign off because of a phone call, but I'm going to give her a call right back. It could have been an emergency. Uh, Thank you very much and have a good day.